You're listening to Stokely and Zach on Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. Stoke, Sean Payton's oh, current current setup here in Denver has all the makings for a big-time award if he can bring the Denver Broncos back to respectability. You know, once in a while, uh, we do a little setup here where I'm like the attorney and you're the judge. I try to, like, make my case to you. Yeah, usually you do a pretty good job at that. Do you mind if we play that role oh. here today? Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. I wasn't prepared for it, but uh, yes, I would love to. So I'm going to try to make an argument why taking Sean Payton at 12-1 to 1 to win Coach of the Year is an absolute no-brainer flyer to take. Oh, okay. Love to hear this argument. So I'll try to mi- microwave it. Um, Coach of the Year, 12-1. to 1. Now, that, that means it's unlikely to win. But if you look at historically what gets coach of the year, why Sean Payton's setup this year is actually perfect. And last year is a great example of that. You, know, you remember who won coach of the year last year? Yeah, because uh, I I've, I've swung and missed on everybody pretty much but him. And, <laughs> oh, no. And he, I don't think he should have won it. Um, uh, Brian Dayball. Yeah, Brian Dayball won the award. Yeah, they had a good season. I'm not saying they didn't have a good season, but I thought, you know, you know, maybe um, our guy Nick Sirianni. You know, there's a few other Kyle Shanahan. You know, I fired. I had fired on both of those guys, and yep. then Kyle Shanahan ended up finishing runner-up. Third was Doug Peterson, but Nick Sirianni. I'm glad you brought him up. You know, the Eagles won a league high 14 games last year. Them in Kansas City. Andy Reid and Nick Sirianni each won 14 games. Didn't sniff Coach of the Year. Right. Didn't finish in the top four. Why? This is this is why this conversation is important because. Like, what story are you telling? Brian Dable had a story. He inherited a four-win team with the 31st-ranked offense, and they won nine games. But Coach of the Year is not about the amount of games that you win. It's not. It's it's a narrative-based award. What did you turn around? So Dable brings the Giants from four wins to nine wins. Do you know how many NFL teams won nine games last year? So we got 32 teams, I would say. Nine or more wins. Nine or more wins. Um, uh, 14. Dude, you are so freaking close. The Giants were the 15th team. There was 15 teams won nine games or more. So how could this guy win nine games like half of the league did, and he wins Coach of the Year because he brought the 31st ranked offense. You know where they were ranked? 16th in scoring offense. So he didn't even bring them to a top 10 offense. Wow. He brought a basement offense to respectability middle of the pack, and he was plus five in the win total. Okay. If you are in on the Denver Broncos going over their win total of eight and a half and getting a nine, just one more win, you'll double your win total. A year over year, Broncos won five. If you are in on the Broncos going over their win total, one more additional win, you will double your win total. And Sean Payton, from a narrative standpoint, because here's the kicker with Dayball, he did it largely with the same cast of characters who looked like they had two left feet the previous year. Yeah, That's the exact setup for Sean Payton this year. It's the largely the same cast of characters from the 32nd-ranked offense. If they can find a way to get to 10 wins, who's going to get the lion's share of the credit? It's going to be Sean Payton with the story to tell. It's a narrative-based award. And this last year is not a, a one-off. 2020, Kevin Stefanski wins the award. He inherited a five-win team from Freddie Kitchens. They won 11. Boom, coach of the year. Freddie Kitchens. 2018, Matt Nagy inherits a five-win team in Chicago. Wins 12. Boom, coach of the year. The year before that, uh, Sean McVay inherits a four-win team. They won 11. Boom, coach of the year. Every single one of these scenarios, it is a new coach in the fold taking in a net program to respectability, making him a winner, a playoff contender. That is what equals coach of the year. Sean Payton at 12 to 1 for me is a no brainer because of this historical construct of this narrative based award. That was good. That was good. Like, usually you do a really good job with it and you knocked it out of the park again. 
really, really good facts to back that up um, because I wasn't really paying all that much attention to Sean Payton. Um, and But, you know, you the, the one thing that you kind of touched on in passing that I think is really, really also important here that I thought you should emphasize more, and as your teacher, I want to bring this up so next time okay. you you do a little bit better at this. Sure. Uh, but you did great. You did. You still did great. You see how positive reinforcement, mm-hmm. though, even though I'm going to correct yeah. you? You feel super validated. Did, right. This is what a good coach does, Zach, yeah. right here, what I'm doing. This is why... I was a damn good coach. Um, the the point that you needed to highlight more is what did Brian Dayball do with his quarterback in Daniel Jones? Where was Daniel Jones at his career? He was in a crossroads. Yeah. Right? They didn't pick up his fifth-year option. They didn't pick up the fifth-year option. They did not. Right? Okay, so, and then guess what? Daniel Jones had a great year. Okay? Who, who's our quarterback here, Zach? Russell Wilson. Right? How did he play last year? He was a disaster and roundly mocked for it. Was it was it talked about just here locally, or was it talked about a lot nationally? Like just, I mean, like a lot, a lot, a lot. It was like it, it catching up on a sitcom week by week. So if, if that guy that was talked about as bad as he was talked about last year, week in, week out, mocked, like if that guy goes out there and plays good, competent football, yep. doesn't have to be great. Like you brought up, doesn't have to be great. Doesn't have to be top five elite. But just plays good, competent football and looks like Russ did, you know, whenever, four or five years ago. Doesn't have to be special. Like, if he gets him doing that yeah. and, and, and you win, you know, four more games, there you go right there, right? Because Russ, the spotlight is on Russ. And if he plays better, who gets the credit? It's going to be Sean. Exactly. It's going to be Sean. No, um, and, and at 12 to 1, think about it. If you go over the Broncos' win total at 8.5, it pays like 1 to 1. Just one more win. And the, if the Broncos get to 10 wins, Sean Payton will finish top three coach of the year. And at 12 to 1, it's worth a flyer. If they get to nine wins, it could, be, it could be. Just get to nine yeah. and Russ plays better. You don't yeah. even have to get to 10, I don't think. But if you just get to that nine, uh, 10's hard to get to. Yep. Uh, nine, like, especially here, like, they haven't had a winning season since, you know, 2016. Yep. This guy yep. gets Russ back to form. Yep. Russ is playing better. Like he, he's not like prime time Russ like he was, you know, Don't need three, four years ago. Yep. But but he's back going in the right direction, right? And then also on top of that, you have the you have a, a winning season, yeah. which the Broncos haven't had since 2016. Right. There you go. And what if you sprinkle on top of like Uh-oh. what if they find a way to beat the Chiefs for the first Uh-oh. time in a right. decade? It's like all that stuff is going to go at a part of the catalog for 2023. And, of course, you swept the Raiders. Yep, you average swept winning, the Raiders. Average winning margin, 44.4. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm already locked into this. But I like that. That's I'm, good I'm, one. I, I am locked all the I, way in. I, I, you know what? There's probably a twinkie for me. Sure. Throw, throw, throw yeah. 20 on it. Yep. You know? I put 35 uh, bucks on it, 12 to go. 1. There you go. I'll probably throw well then if you did. I, now you gotta match it. Right. I can't be yeah, like telephone. Like, now you gotta match it. If, if it hits, you'd be like, I won six hundred bucks and I'd be like, damn. Right. Fifteen more dollars, I could have won two hundred more dollars, right? And I'd be like, right. Yeah, well, I won, you know, two hundred like Let's make it even thirty five. I gotta do thirty five. Celebrate together. All right. All thirty five right. it is. What was it like to be on the call for the football game the entire sports world can't stop talking about? We'll check in with the voice of the Buffs coming up next. Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Band presents Schlereth and Evans. A Saturday to remember where the Colorado Buffaloes, the most unknown team in college football, maybe in the history of college football, go into TCU and defeat the national uh, runner-up from a year ago, 45-42. to And going into the last break, I said, what was it like to be on the call for the football game? The entire country can't stop talking about. It's Mark Johnson, the voice of the Buffs. Uh, Mark, thank you for your time joining us here on Stokely and Zach. Uh, I know you've been very busy this week, so appreciate you uh, shoehorning us in. And I'll just give you the floor. What was it like to be on the call for the game that stole the show in the sports world this weekend? Well, you know, it's kind of funny, guys. I looked over at Gary at one point, Gary Barnett, uh, during the broadcast. I said, because, you know, you're doing the game and your phone's just blowing up. Everything that happens, people are just going out of their minds. And I said, 
I'm getting the sense that every single word we utter is magnified about a million times for what it was a year ago. So, but that, that's kind of part of the whole prime effect. I mean, everything that guy does draws attention. So just by association, you know, the, the attention kind of spills over on you and, and it's, it's awful fun. You guys well know this is my 20th season doing the buffs and I've called some bad football over the years. Only had three real winning seasons over the course of the previous 19. So this, this is welcome for Buff Nation, uh, but it's uh, the guy who's had to do some heavy lifting for the last 20 years is especially welcome for me, I can tell you that. Yeah, I can just imagine so much fun to call a game like that, and we're joined by Mark Johnson, the voice of the Colorado Buffs. Uh, Mark, now look, there was a lot of hype right leading up to this game, a lot of a lot of talk this offseason uh, with the hiring of Dion, a lot of excitement. Uh, then they go out there, and I was just so impressed with how prepared they looked. Um, yeah. how they executed, how disciplined they were. Now, it wasn't perfect, but that, to me, is what really stood out. And, and then I look at, like, the coaches that Dion hired, and um, you look at some of those names, and it seems like just such a well-put-together staff. The players were coached well. They executed well. And that's what really stood out to me in, in, their, in their first game on the road in a tough environment. Well, so, you know, in, in college, we don't get the, the preseason games, right? You don't work right. on any, any kinks that way. And so, you know, I, I was wondering the same thing. Listen, I, I'm on board here, and I'm I'm watching it through spring, and I'm watching through fall, and I'm seeing what he's putting together, and I'm trying to learn this uh, just like everybody else is. You know, Coach Prime always refers to those old mistakes that teams make. He calls them foolishness. We're not going to have any foolishness. Well, well, they didn't have a lot of foolishness. I mean, they didn't have a lot of penalties. They didn't have a lot of, you know, uh, mental mistakes out there. They had a couple, but, but that's bound to happen when you're playing a game as chaotic as his football is. And, and I'll say this. The staff he put together, those two coordinators, uh, Charles Kelly, who came in from Alabama on the defensive side, and, and Sean Lewis, I, I think, is a star in the making, mm-hmm. who was the head coach at Kent State and had put together a very dynamic offense at Kent State as the head man there. Comes on as the offensive coordinator, and then you throw a quarterback that, as we've learned, uh, is the level of Shadur Sanders and, and looks like an NFL quarterback, and then all the talent that they've got around him. That could be a lot of fun to watch. And and I thought they had a chance. Got, we were standing on the practice field one day, and Gary looks at me and said, you know, we're pretty special on, on, the, on the skill positions. We could probably win the national championship of seven-on-seven. Seven. Uh, and, and he was right. I mean, you know, there, there's a lot of talent out there. And so and that offense is going to be fun to watch all season long. But overall, I, I've been awfully impressed with the organization, the attention, the detail, all the things that you kind of chronicled there. That, that prime is done to put this thing together. I'm, I'm curious, as you're there on the call, you're not, like, anticipating something to happen before it happens. The game's kind of uh, is just unfolding. Yep. At what point to you, Mark, and Mark Johnson, voice of the Buffs, joins us here on the Johnson Auto Plaza Hotline, at what point in the game did a win, forget competitive, I mean, this is a three-touchdown underdog, at what yep. point did a win start to come into focus for you? I think in the first, maybe uh, middle of the first quarter or something, after the Buffs had the ball a couple of times, and it became very apparent very quickly that the talent level for Colorado was causing great problems for TCU's defense. They had trouble keeping up with the speed of Colorado. And, guys, it's amazing to even say that that sentence right there, right. that Colorado has come in <laughs> right. and has got supreme and superior skill and speed on the perimeters. It's been so long since you've been able to say that about a Buff team. But that was apparent very, very quickly. And I thought, boy, this this might be a high-scoring game, number one, because of what I'm seeing. And, and number two, I'm not sure TCU can keep up with it. But I, I wonder about that this weekend with Nebraska coming in if they can. Because, well, what, what they've got on the perimeter, you know, Travis Hunter and uh, Jimmy Horn Jr. and Xavier Weaver and going down the line and Dylan Edwards, I mean, those are really unique talents that they have on the outside that, that Shadur is able to throw to. And so I think there's going to be a lot of teams trying to have a tough time matching up with them overall from sideline to sideline. So really, in the first quarter, pretty early, I was thinking, boy, this matchup looks to favor Colorado heavily in this one. Mark Johnson, voice of the Colorado Buffs, joins us. Mark, Travis Hunter, I mean, that that to yeah. me was just so remarkable. How many plays he played, I think 129, yeah. played offense, yep. played defense, uh, 11 catches, had an interception. That interception he made, I told Zach early, reminded me of Deion Sanders, the way he baited yeah. the quarterback, and then to, to then to deliver and finish it off with that dive and pick. Just talk about his performance, being able to play that many plays in that heat, um, and then the play at the level that he played. Have you seen anything like that before? No, no. And, you know, over the course of my career, I mean, I've, I've seen special athletes, obviously. We just had one just a few years ago, obviously, in, in LaVisca Chenault. He was a unique talent. 
Travis is different than that. And and maybe you're right. Maybe Dion is is the nearest comparison. Somebody who plays at that high a level on both sides of the ball. And, you know, I've asked a bunch of coaches, is he better on defense or offense? And I get varied responses. I tend to believe he's better on the defensive side, but that, that's just a personal opinion. I, I've gotten it on both sides uh, in that regard. But to do that, you know, and play 120-some snaps in that, that heat was astounding. I, I, I did an interview with him here, I don't know, two, three weeks ago, and I said, well, when are you going to rest? He said, oh, I'm not spe- playing special teams. I'll rest then. That, that's my time to rest. Now, can he keep up that pace? I don't know if that'd be wise to keep up that pace. And you'd hope that at some point in some games where things were decided, maybe they don't have to continue to run him out there. But I'm not sure there's a more unique talent in college football right now. And he really translates to the next level in some role. I'm not sure. I'll let you guys to cover the NFL kind of determine that. But it's astounding when you think about it right now that with Colorado – in the top ten Heisman guys I saw, you know, three of them are listed there. Obviously, Shadour and, and Travis, and, and then uh, Dylan Edwards after what he did the other day, and it's it's heady stuff. But yeah, um, you know, I, I, I did play-by-play for Syracuse and won the national championship with Carmelo Anthony. I've seen some pretty special athletes here at Colorado. Travis Hunter is going to go in that group of one of those handful of guys that say, yeah, that that cat's different than everybody else. <laughs> Mark, last one before we let you go, and Mark Johnson here, voice of the Buffaloes, uh, with us on the Johnson Auto Plaza Hotline. Does it feel real yet? Like, like the, the the arc of the way that last season ended, and then to yep. where we're at now. Like literally today on a Tuesday, where the top twenty five comes out, and CU is in the top twenty five. Like, are you? Like, I'm saying this is insane. But as someone who's more entrenched in the program, are you saying pinch me? Well, you know, exactly. Think about where where we were last year on Thanksgiving weekend, the last regular season weekend of college football. The worst team in America was Colorado. The most irrelevant team in America was Colorado. December fourth, it changes when Dion was brought on as a head coach, and now we are the most talked about team, without question, in college football. Some would say one of the top, you know, maybe ten or fifteen or twenty best teams in college football, and and it's it's maybe the most relevant team in college. It, it's startling to even comprehend. So you say does it feel real? Well, it hasn't feel, felt real since December fourth because it's something like we've never seen. I I have a tough time really describing how this feels internally when you walk through the Champions Center and and you know my phone's you know just by association buzzing nonstop for a comment or a or an interview or do this or do that. It's it really is surreal at this point in time. And uh you know when you when you think about Deion Sanders' career and what he's done as Coach Prime and uh, it seems to be kind of the everyday normal world for him, but for the rest of us, it takes a while to get used to. Mark, is the bandwagon still open for those who doubted? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, just uh, if you're not on the bandwagon, just don't go to Prime's post game press conference. <laughs> <laughs> for the rest of you out there, jump on up. Oh, yes. That was fantastic, Mark. Thank you so much. Thanks, buddy. All right, guys. Thank you. All right, there he goes. That's Mark Johnson plus as well. That was good. Yeah, spike in the football. Good. At the end there. Yeah. Yeah, you can't. You just don't go to the post game presser. Right. You're good. You're good. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. I, I got a question about Coach Prime here. Is Coach Prime the most popular sports figure on the Colorado landscape right now? I want to take a dive into that conversation coming up next. It's Stokely and Zach on Denver's Sports Station 1043, The Fan. Liquor talk, though, did you? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Okay, good. Although I was celebrating my second birdie ever. Oh! Had another one of them bangs. Tweet, tweet. Two of them bangs. Look at you. You're becoming a birdie machine. <laughs> I don't know about that, but it was pretty cool, man. It was well, pretty cool. You started off with your first, mm-hmm. I don't know, a month and a half ago or yeah, something, yeah, and then you got another one, you know, uh, a few days ago. Celebrating all weekend, man. Yeah. Celebrating all weekend. Uh, you'll be celebrating if you beat all the fan hosts here in the King Supers Fan Football Pick'em. And the weekly prize is 250 bucks to King Supers. That'd be nice. But how about the grand prize? The grand prize winner receives groceries for a year. There is no downside. It doesn't cost anything. Uh, you can register now at denversports.com slash picks. I think I'll be uh, filling out my picks tonight. Did you already? Well, I already did. You know, when I signed up last week, I just put them all in just so I wouldn't forget. 
I might go back and revisit it um, and change them. But look, they, they don't want to overthink week one. Sure. Just just go with my gut feel on it and just roll with it. Um, and that usually works out pretty well for me. All right. Cool. Just trying to find action. Who wants action at this station? Come see Stokely. Okay. Okay. I may be interested in that. Yeah. You uh, don't want that. Uh, by you, the way. Just all talk. <laughs> by the way, uh, you can join myself and no Sean Marino. No, no. No, no. As uh, we kick off the season at Cochino Taco in Edgewater. That is on Thursday. All right. So you're not going to want to miss that. Come celebrate the start of the season. That's on Thursday at Cochino Taco in Edgewater from 11 to 2 p.m. Um, Sounds good. I uh, can't wait. Can't wait. Hey, uh, question. Uh, is Coach Prime the most popular sports figure in all of Colorado sports? Okay. That's a good question, Zach. Um, I mean, you're looking at Colorado sports right now. Yep. You know, you got to throw who, the, who are the big names. And at first I was going to say yes. Definitely. Like, look. But then I was like, Nicola. The Jokic, right? So then I have to take a step back and reevaluate it. Um, you know, you got McKinnon, but he's not in that conversation right now. Um, I'm trying to think. Um, down on McKinnon. Um, not not down on McKinnon, just not interested in the conversation with Dion and Jokic, but not down on him at all. Um, and then I try to think about the Rockies, like. Seiko uh, um, Tovar? Uh, Don Jones? No. No. Well, no Rockies. Bam. We'll just move on. Um, wow. Another L for them. But yesterday. I was going to say, for the first time this year, I have no idea what happened this year or yeah. th- this weekend uh, with yeah. the Rockies. Bunch of L's. Bunch Is that of L's. right? Yeah. I don't. Okay. I, yeah. Not not good. Um, Football started. Baseball is just like not even well, on the back burner. Especially just, irrelevant baseball. Right. Team. Right. 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 So it's two. It's a two uh, horse race for me. No pun intended with Jokic, you know, running the horses over there in um, Serbia. You got Nicola and you got Dion. I mean, the, look, Nicola, let's not all of a sudden, you know, forget about what he just did, Zach. Of course let's not. Let's not. Of course. That's what you're trying to do here. That's what I'm trying to do? Yeah, yeah, what? yeah, yeah, well, yeah. yeah. Like, well, how do you arrive right there? Here. I don't know. It just felt good <laughs> to say. No, but I'll I, I say this. We, we can't forget. Like, we just can't. What just happened and what he just did and how he did it. And he was the talk of the NBA country also, mm-hmm. like college football and Dion's the talk. Well, that was Nicola during this run. Like, oh, my gosh, I never watched him play. I didn't know he was so good. 16-4, and four, tight, dominant title run, first player in NBA history to lead the entire playoffs in points, rebounds, and assists. That's where a lot of people were. And then all of a sudden they're like, this is the best player in the world. Mm-hmm. This guy's unbelievable. Um, Popular. Gosh. Popular, uh, okay. You, you're, you're stressing that word for a reason. I mean, um, popularity is has Dion surpassed Jokic's popularity? Man, I don't know because, like, wait, let me. Okay, okay. I want to talk this out. Oh, with yeah, you, yeah. But course, go ahead. If course. you got something, go well, ahead. Well, well, well. Just, just an analogy, like how you could um, decide this is like, and this is not a perfect construct here, but like. Who would most people rather sit down and have dinner with? Jokic? Or you can have a couple pops with Jokic or Prime. You can sit yeah. down and have dinner with Jokic or Prime. Yeah, I, I, I understand where you're going, but I think a lot of people would say Jokic on that. Oh, front cool. also, yeah. Oh, right? yeah. I mean, yeah. it's not just necessarily automatic Prime. Um, this, this is, I, I think, I want to ask you this one. Nuggets. Colorado Buffs, right? The Nuggets, I think, uh, you're like, you won't have, like, this whole state's a Nuggets fan. Like, if you like basketball, you, you everyone here likes the Denver Nuggets, right? I mean, the majority. Yeah, oh, yeah. If you like college football, well, you got your CSU guys, right? You got your Northern Colorado guys. You got your Nova and the Air Force Falcons. Our Air Force Falcons, you have them, right? So you have different, like, where some people like, they they don't care what Colorado's doing. I don't care about Prime. He's not popular to me. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm a CSU guy. Right. You know, the Joel Dreesons of the world. Mm. Right? Um, what up, Dries? Shout out. So, like, you have that where everyone in this state, like, when the Nuggets are winning, you're like, yes, you might not have been the biggest Nuggets fan, but if you're a basketball fan, you were on board. Like, yo, kids. Yeah. 
Um, Let me ask you this. So, that, so that's my question to you. Does that kind of lean more, make you lean more towards Jokic if you're looking at statewide? Good observation. Thank you, Zach. It's a good observation. Um, yeah, that comes into play. There's a lot of CSU grads in this area that are rooting against Colorado. It, let, let me ask you this. Almost in, in relation to your question, if you're not affiliated right now, like, are you jumping on the the, the, the the CU train, the CU buff? Of course. Of course you are. Like, why wouldn't you be? Like, if you like football at all, how could you not be loving what is going on? I mean, that's fun. This is exciting. I mean, you would look, we want to, we, we've been wanting to talk about CU. Yeah. Just like we like, yep. like talking about the Rockies. Like, if you yes, win, yes. if you're relevant, we want to talk about yeah. you. Yep. It's fun. Yep. So, like, watching college, big-time college football is fun. We haven't had that in a long time. Like, people don't even know what it is anymore around here. They don't know what that was. Whenever C.J. was playing quarterback, you know, stealing an extra down from Missouri, only C.J., right? Um, like, like people, most of the people here didn't experience that. Got a lot of transplants. Yeah, but like, that was a long time ago. Right. College football is fun. We just haven't had that. Now you have it. Like, that is awesome. So if you're not, like, against CU, you're loving this. Like, we yeah, are yeah, loving yes. it. This is just so much fun. And um, college football is is a blast, and especially when you're playing at a high level. And you get to watch, like, great talent mm-hmm. go out there and play and compete. Yeah. You know, um, it's uh, it's it's awesome. And and so that's where we're at. Man, this, this is a tough one. Who do I give an edge to? Um I'm going to still give it to Jokic, Zach. Uh, I think we're removed from it, so we're kind of, you know, like we're looking at it a little bit different, but we forget what he just accomplished here and how, um, you know, how excited this whole state was. And I think just being, you know, like you, you, you have your different, you know, colleges and your different alumni where they just like blocking Dion, like, ah, I hate CU. I'm not rooting for Dion. He's not popular to me. Uh, you'll have a lot of people in that camp where everyone, Loved Jokic in this state. Yeah, everyone did. So I, I'm, I'm gonna give a slight edge to to Jokic here on the most popular sports figure uh, in the Colorado uh, landscape right now. Great way of talking that thing out. Where are you at? Uh, I think it's Coach Prime. Okay, I think it's Coach Prime because these two. By the way, these two personalities literally couldn't be any more different. Yep. I mean, Dion is so far to the right on the spectrum. Jokic's on the left. Jokic is like ultimate respect, head down, no bravado, like doesn't even want to celebrate when they went to the finals. And Dion is doing a full-blown victory lap, you know, first win of the year and the chest out and calling people out. And they're just so different. Um, I think Dion, because of that personality, has a baby edge over Jokic nationally. Uh, despite it being pro sports and NBA being coast to coast, I really think it's Dion because, man, such few coaches have covered ground like Dion has as an athlete. What he did as a player, and now it's translating as a coach. You know, it was one of the signature moments this offseason. We talked to Mark Johnson a couple minutes ago. He's like, when they hired him on December 4th or 5th, I remember we came in here and it was a national championship. It was TCU against Georgia, and there was two coaches on the set. Yeah. Nick Saban and Prime. Yeah. And I'm going, oh, my God, Prime hasn't coached a game yet, and he's there with Nick. And and since then, it's just There's been— another fun. point that you made, too, and I remember. Do you remember what point you made? What um, what, 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 what was Dion doing? What was he wearing? And oh, what was Nick Saban not wearing? Oh, uh, like, was, was, was Dion wearing his Prime gear? Yeah, like he had his CU stuff on, like rocking it, right? Yeah. Like Nick was like buttoned up yeah. with like a suit or yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah, you brought yeah. that up. Like he was representing CU um, in, in a big, big way, which which was really, really cool in his way. Right. right? Yeah. Yep. With the swagger. Yep. Yep. Wow. Wow. Uh, what a ride this is going to be, man. I mean, holy smokes. Uh, Got to back it up again this week, though. That's no the thing. doubt. They, they only get bigger and bigger. Right. And this is the game that a lot of fans have circled, like Marilat. You know, I wasn't around here for the big CU-Nebraska rivalry games. Uh, but, man, that place will be jumping. Oh, man. Can't wait. We're going to talk a little bit more about that tomorrow. What's being said about CU coming out of Nebraska? Have some fun details to pass along uh, on that front a little bit uh uh, later in the week tomorrow. Uh, okay, I got I got another thought on that that I want to hit tomorrow. That I'll just I'll give you I'll give you here in a second for a segment. Um, okay, 
that I think is 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 really good. I think it's really good. Um, Let us decide that. No, I know, I know, but I but I'm gonna call my shot. Oh, like Dion. Yeah, <laughs> we yeah. coming. Yeah, we coming with a yeah. great segment. Yeah, we, we coming. Yeah, <laughs> you, brought, yeah. you brought your Louis. <laughs> oh my god, I'm bringing my Louis. Oh my gosh, you can't make. Just this hurry up and man. get to break so I can remember I was to tell say, you what, please, what it is. Please, here's my pen. Goodness yeah, thank gracious. You, thank you. All right, is the Raiders game, guys? It's Raiders week. It's rivalry week. Is the Raiders at home to start the season a must win? Don't laugh. That's coming up next. Denver Sports Station 1043 The Fan presents Stokely and Zach. Hey, farm boy. Hey, dropping that plow, bailing that hay. Feeding them cows from the roost to crow till another long day is gone. Country on. Hey, big reef, keep clocking in miles, pulling that horn, making us smile, rolling that road down the road. Is the Raiders at home this weekend to start the season? A must win. Interesting conversation. I mean, goodness, we've had uh, we've 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 had this conversation through the years, and I think the when we have had it, it's been relevant. Um, I remember the uh, Vic Fangio's last year. Remember when the Broncos got like the Jets and Giants at home? It was like the first three opponents were like it was like all at home. I forget yeah. the exact structure, but it was like, okay, is that a must win? Um, I think it depends what uh, framework. We are um, analyzing this from, but let's work with a winning season. All right. If the Denver Broncos, for the first time since 2016, win more games than they lose, which means nine, is this Sunday a must win against the silver and black? 150%. Over 100%. Over 100%. Yeah, some people say you can't, but I I, I say you can't. because like, if you can't beat the Raiders at home opening day, who, who on the schedule are you going to beat? Can I? Do I think you're going to beat the Commanders the next week, who I think is more talented than the Raiders? I can't go there. The Dolphins on the road, the Bears on the road, the Jets at home with Aaron Rodgers and Nathaniel Hackett as their coordinator. I mean, how could that happen? Chiefs, like, where, where, where do you see some wins here to get to a winning season? Like, we're talking about nine wins. Yeah. We're not talking about get to six wins. Nope. One better than last year. They could still do that if they lost to the Raiders. But you're not going to get to nine wins if you lose to the stinking Raiders. I just can't think that that is possible. So for me, and the way that you framed it, like your season isn't over, but like you're getting a winning record is. You're not going to get a winning record if you lose to the Raiders. You're just not. So it's not going to happen. That's where I'm at with it. How do you see it? Very similarly. Very similarly. um, I know some people will laugh at this. Like, how could you say the first game of the year is a must-win? Again, what lens are you looking through? If it's realism and not orange and blue glasses, I'll stack the questions here. Is this the most winnable game on the schedule? I think the answer is yes. I really do. The entire schedule. I think the answer is yes for a couple different reasons. One. Give me some candidates. uh, Um, It would be Washington at home week two. It would be Green Bay at home week seven. Uh, and I'm just going to Candace. I'm not yeah. saying I agree. No, no, I know. Uh, yeah. uh, a Minnesota at home a week 11. Um, Texans. Uh, uh, yeah, te- Texans on the road in Houston. And I'm not willing to say another. And I don't feel right. even comfortable saying the ones that I said. Yeah, right. I, I think it is, Zach. I, I think you, it would come down to them and the Texans. Yeah. The Raiders and the Texans, yeah. right? I mean, I don't know what the Texans look like, but you're. But then again, you're playing the Texans later in the season, where C.J. Stroud will be. You know, if he's still the starter uh, at that point, but, you know, you're talking about ten, eleven starts at that point. Yeah, right? and they're 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 improved football team. So, um, but at bare minimum, it's the most winnable home game. Yes, got to oh, win your yeah, home oh, games. Home, yes, and especially got to win your home divisional games. Yes, exactly. And then exactly. here's two other layers on top of it. One, the Denver Broncos have ha- have a historically great winning percentage in week one games to start the season. Look it up. When teams are not in game shape and their first game is in altitude, where the Broncos have been practicing for seven weeks, they are at a very real and natural disadvantage. So there's the one element at play that works in your favor. And also, Jimmy Garoppolo is the quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo did not spend this offseason practicing with the team. So... Much like, um, who did we see? 
Was it Jimmy last year? Week three, Niners? Yeah. After Trey Lance, so he got hurt or whatever? He got hurt. And it was we, Jimmy's first start. We saw Jimmy G's first start, and he looked out of sorts, and the Broncos actually beat the Niners. If they play him three weeks later, they lose to that Niners they team. They not only lose, they get crushed. Jimmy was running out of the back of the end zone, creating so safety. That's what I was about to say. Do you I, remember what he did yes. in that game? I mean, because it was his first game playing. He didn't practice with no, them. They, yes. they kept him away they, from camp. They kept him away. He ran, he, Dan Orlowski did. Yes. He ran out of the end zone. Yes. And Dan O was tweeting about yeah. it like, hey, he took the title from All me right. or whatever he said. So No one is taking that title from you, Dan. <laughs> no. You own that for everybody. <laughs> but it's, it's one of these things where you have a natural, a natural physical advantage week one in altitude, and you have a natural uh, week one advantage against a quarterback who's new there who didn't. Use the, not use the offseason. It wasn't available to be practicing with the team. If you can, if I'll tell you what, <laughs> I, you know, morning show is having fun with me. Call me, you know. Oh uh, God, the, the, yeah, dude, uh, I heard buzz, that buzz kill by, which yeah. is hilarious. You want to hear buzz kill by? Yeah. Come in here on a Monday right. after losing that game against the Raiders. Yeah, um, and um, I, I, I think that makes up. You know, you have a lot of good points there. You, you'd look at. Uh, the other thing, you know, that you, you mentioned there when you're talking about, like, first game, like, you've been practicing at altitude. They haven't. You really couldn't say that last year because we didn't practice. Like, right. we're actually working, right. practicing. This team is in better shape. This team is ready to go for four quarters. Um, and so it's it's a huge game. And, and, and the morning show has gotten so soft. They, they, they can't call and make anyone – they can't make up any names for anyone to call anybody names when they're about the process. So they probably say, no, you know, you don't have to beat the Raiders or the Commanders just as long as you play well against those two teams. It doesn't matter if you win, even though they're at home, just as long as you start playing like your best football, maybe by week five, we got a process here. Just let's all be patient and have fun this season and just enjoy it. Right. And, and who cares about the, let's not get too, um, uh, let's not be too critically uh, critical of the Broncos. If they're not playing well, if the, if the clock is running down, let's not, you know, start counting down the clock for, for the Broncos this year. Let's be nicer to them. Um, that's probably what the morning show is, um, is saying right that now. That's what they're all about. That's what they're saying, huh? <laughs> yes. Believe it or not, both Mike so. and Mark said that they believe this is a must win. Wow. Now, I'm curious where DMAC falls because as we've followed, you know, DMAC through the years, you have been a guy that's like, you kind of look at it like purely uh, utilitarian, like the, just, just the function of is it a win or a loss week one uh-huh. uh, and how could it be a must win if it's week one. But I know you also understand the dynamics that we're talking about. Listen, here. if you want to get caught up in the semantics of the word, uh, the phrase must win, then, then okay. Then we can just inherently agree there's a difference between a must win game and an elimination game. So as long as we're okay saying there's a difference between an elimination game and a must-win game, I'm fine calling it a must-win game. But at least we can concede this is not an elimination game, correct? No, no of, of course. That's why I said it's, it's not purely utilitarian must-win. If you don't win it, your season's over. Okay, so that means must-win means something different than literally must-win. Through a the lot. A, a lot, yes. a lot differently, and it's through no problem. KKFN and KKFN HD one <laughs> Longmont Denver. It's through. Welcome back. It's through the framework of a thing. So it's like, is this a must win if you plan on being a winning team? Is it a must win if you plan on getting to the playoffs? Is that the way you view it? If they want to be a winning football team, 9-8 and at the worst, uh, do they have to win this football game? Here's what I think. Home games mean more than road games, although you've got to win on the road. Division games mean more than non-division games. AFC games mean more than NFC games. So that by that definition, the, the least important games of the season are road NFC games. Also, by definition, your most important games of the season are home division games. You get three of them. This is a biggie. So whatever words you want to call it, by my own definitions, what I've been talking about for years, this one is basically as big as you get. Because you only get three of them all year, and here's one of them right to start. Now, I'll say it's even bigger because I do hate the Raiders more than I hate the Chiefs or the Chargers. I always have because I hate the freaking Raiders because there is something called rivalry, and I want to beat the snot out of the teams I hate the most, the most. Yeah, I, I so think. So let's go. Look, no, I, you, you made a lot of sense there. Like, if you're looking at it from you know, the way that you framed it, if you're looking at making the playoffs, that, that's the way. You, that's the way you got to look at Correct. it. Correct. If you're looking at it as get, as having a winning season, as having a winning season, you know your home games are like at the top of the list, right? 
that that trumps yes. everything else. It's home games yeah. and then away games. You want right? to go, you and want to go six, six and two at home, essentially. That's, that's the where that's where it starts. Now, when you look at it from a playoffs perspective, yeah, look these division games and your AFC games and your home games on top, all that in the mix, they're they're so vitally important, especially against your worst division opponent. In the AFC West. Yes. The Raiders are the worst ones yes. uh, out of the Chiefs and yes. the Chargers. Yes. I mean, and yes. you play them at home? Come on. Yes. But Come the on. season ain't over if you no, lose. No, no, no. no. We're, we're not, no. this is not Swamp Kings. You can't, you lose one, two games in college, it's it. It's over. Your seasons right. are, are toast. Like yes. Clemson. Like Clemson. That's night right. Night. That's night right. Night-night um, night. season's over. <laughs> Hope you had fun this summer. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> much. All uh, that work for nothing. All that work's over. Um, <laughs> and my eyes tell me they're, they got plenty of losses Ooh. left in them this year. Um, but also, you know, and, 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 and you just hit on it in passing, Stoke, without attaching, like, the, the number to it. That, like, this is the most favored you're going to be for any game at home this year. You're over a field goal kick. That's just not going to happen a lot for the Denver Broncos this year. So from the pragmatic uh, uh, odds makers, they are saying this is the one you have to have the most by more than a field goal you favorite. Know, you know who put the most pressure on Sean Payton? Prime time. Prime time. Prime time came, just changed everything, just like Sean Payton has changed everything. Prime time has put pressure on Sean Payton. Like, okay. Like, both guys did the same thing, did they not? Both guys, it's their show. You want to do it your way. Prime time. That's interesting. That's yeah. interesting. It, you know, it, obviously a different, but... I mean, Sean Payton has enough analogy. pressure on him as it is to win, you know. Uh, but, like, I was gonna, to your I, point, to your point, I mean. It's NFL pressure. There's always right. pressure, yeah, you, you know. you, you got to always perform or look look at Hackett. You're, you're not even making it out a year. Well, well. speaking of which, I, I, the the direction I thought you were going to go, you said who put, put the most pressure on Sean Payton? I thought I was going to say Sean, Sean Payton. Payton. Right. Yeah. Like, just doing Sean Payton stuff. Yeah, but, but he's. Calling out the former regime, how yeah. bad it was. You better not be that bad. Well, okay, but all he did was the same stuff Deion Sanders did. Dion, and that's why Dion was like screaming at reporters about believing and you know the this that the other thing. It's like poor Ed Werder. What, 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 what Ed Werder do? But to, but, <laughs> but to to everything that 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 uh, that Dion has done, he he didn't call out Carl Durrell because he could have. Uh, like, hey, look at this oper- well, like look at this operation a year ago. Like look at like like you know that's what Sean Payton did I with guess, the hackets. But stuff. but I mean Prime also in the spring said you know I'm bringing my Louie. Which, you know, oh, I, can, I, mean, I, I know, you know, is he not talking about Darrell there and his recruits and the team that he put together? Very indirectly. <laughs> oh, Sean right. Payton was more direct at Hackett. Right, well, okay. I mean, they, they both were taking shots at, at previous regimes and doing things completely different and, uh, and all that is no Sean Moreno goes to tackle cornhole history. Uh, uh, earlier this really? summer, a freaking epic battle. Really? That Stokely had no on the ropes. It came down to the literal last bag. I had, and I had a teammate, by the way. It wasn't one on one. Let's not get it. Uh, listen to Stokely. Oh, you're throwing his team. Wow. But, but, <laughs> how do you get in there, by the way? Uh, no Sean freaking with his final bag. Holds it in walk-off fashion, and it was like the you know we had fifty people watching and freaking going crazy. So there's a little little history there. All right, all right, all right. Well, that's good. It's good. He's in the saddle. He's getting in there. Stokes getting out. They can have the competition of the medium t-shirts and the large biceps. They can uh, whose veins are popping more uh, out of the curls. <laughs> That'd be a fun little contest right there. Oh my gosh. So, dude, just real real quick, um, as as we settle in here a little bit. Um, where were you? Where were you watching it? What was the reaction? Just walk me through your experience watching CU. Yeah, I mean, just the best place for me to watch a game, right in my living room, oh, totally right. locked in, right. taking notes on it, not expecting what we eventually saw. I mean, but DMAC, in terms of the, you know, coming on here, doing, talking about uh, this is my seventh college football season, or talking about CU or even the Broncos, man, that's like top three of unexpected uh, out. You're a three-touchdown underdog. Yep. Three touchdowns on the road at Texas Christian. It was just in the natty. Like, what? And and they didn't – it wasn't just by fluke or they got up big. And, it was punch, counterpunch. Punch, but they were the puncher. CU was the puncher, and I was just floored. 25 years of closely watching Colorado sports. 25 years. That might have been the top one. Because somebody was like, oh, what about the Nuggets winning? Oh, well, no, the Nuggets were supposed to win. Mm. The Nuggets, I expected them to win. The Avs, no, I expected the Avs to win. I knew how good they were. Were you here for the Packers Super Bowl? 
No, I was not. Okay. So I was not. That, I was not. That's probably like, because I think that's the largest spread in an underdog. I think it was like 13 points, 12 and a half points. All right. Largest underdog to <laughs> me, ever win a Super Bowl. Still, that's a team that got to the Super Bowl. That's the best team in the AFC. I mean, yeah, you know. Yeah, but the 13 points. Okay. And, and, and the AFC had lost like 13 straight Super Bowls as well. But, all right, I'll just play devil's advocate here. You know who John Elway is. You know who the guys are that are playing in the game. You know, uh, maybe got some question marks about Mark Schlereth at guards. But you know basically everything else on that team. I get it. We didn't know anybody on know, this CU I team. I, I mean, know, we knew about them. Right. You know, but we didn't. And we knew. I mean, how, what do you think people thought that had never heard of Travis Hunter's name before? I mean, we had never really seen him play at CU. Saw him at Jackson State. But who, really, who, but who is really watching it? Who the hell? I mean, the guy goes for what? A uh, hundred what? How many, how many snaps? There's 11, oh, 129 snaps. That is insane. Yeah. What are we talking about? Yep. It's one of the craziest things you will ever see. And somebody asked me, well, do you think he could keep that up? And I think he could. Because you won't have to do that, Zach, every game. You know why? Because CU's damn good. CU is going to destroy Nebraska. He's not going to have to go 120-something snaps against CSU. He won't need to. That game's going to be over halfway through the second quarter. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see. But I'll say this. Um, and Travis Hunter, by the way, first FBS player in 20 years with at least 100 receiving yards and an interception in the same game. Uh, but he'll need to do that probably seven or eight times this year. He will probably have to do that seven or eight times. So can the young man do that seven or eight times? But it's not an NFL season. He doesn't have to do it 17 times where every game is, you know, such a big thing. That's impossible. But in college, I mean, you know, uh, Travis Hunter, boom, bye, like, like, let's go. That is a heavyweight champion right there. So crazy. Are you he kidding me? Like Shohei Otani of college football right I now. I love I it. mean, it's, it's, it's so insane. Um, yeah, he's so talented. But then Shador, Joshua, sit I mean, down. Are you good? Are you, you're fussing around. Got some headphones on. Get involved. Jump in. He um, sh- no, Sean's already shaking his head. How about this? He's already shaking his head and stuff. How about this? Now, I'm, I'm really curious to hear from No throughout the afternoon, but, but, but I'll say this. You know, it, I love the sports gambling stuff. We've talked about it for years. It's, it's rare. It's rare, DMAC, to have um, it's the, the, the term is crossing, crossing through zero, to have a team that's favored. To now cross through zero and be the underdog, this is how crazy this is in the last week. This time last week, Mm. Nebraska was a a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. What's it today? Nebraska's a a two-and-a-half-point dog. It's not just cross through zero. You cross through a whole touchdown, swung through zero, and you're almost a field goal. Like, I don't know if I've ever seen that uh, not having to do with, like, a catastrophic injury to a quarterback. Never seen that. Why are you shaking your head no, Sean? Why are you shaking your head already? Yeah, you, you, you're just funny. What's going on out there? <laughs> what do you mean I'm funny about what? I'm, funny looking? What are you saying? <laughs> <laughs> funny? What do you mean are funny? Are people getting carried away? I mean, it's starting to sound that way, where it's like, oh, we're, we're here. We're there, baby. I, I can see the seven wins now. It's like. Seven wins? I mean, that's what. Minimum. Know. Oh, oh really? Here we go. This is what I'm saying. Seven wins. Did you guys watch Arizona State? I did. <laughs> I did. Even after the haboob, I watched it, okay? See who's going to beat them. Stomp them. <laughs> yep, I, I, I agree. This time last week, Stanford, I said, uh, De- Stanford, done. I, but well, you still need to stay I, I, like I, that, I agreed with those teams, too. Cal's not on the schedule this year. I, I need you to stay like that, Zach. Be Washington like, State. Even well, though we saw you gotta go to there, so yeah, it's we'll like, see. We'll, we'll see what it looks like. Uh, I need that same energy, just like you know what Dion was saying. Oh, I saw what you wrote down. Just you gotta stay with like that, though. Oh, and, and by the way, from what I understand, um, and and I hope this is because I had a, a two different people DM me on Twitter. Um, Ed Warder wrote a uh, Dion is a celebrity coach type of article. Okay, that, that was that was what he took umbrage with. So, uh, yeah. All right. So Dion is a personal issue with Werner, I guess. <laughs> it seems like it. But it's not up to reporters to believe in a team. Agreed. So you, in my opinion, Dion, and I, I got your back. And maybe this is going to make me get receipts with Dion. I mean, I'm not trying to. But it's not up to a reporter to believe or not to believe. It's up to a reporter to report. You. It's up to a columnist or an opinion maker to give their opinion. 
Now, that opinion can be wrong. I mean, you know, but it's better to say you're wrong. You were wrong. Can you admit you were wrong rather than say, do you believe? Can you believe you didn't believe? It's not up to the reporters to believe. It's not their job to I, believe. I actually agree with almost everything that you just said. But there's a lot of there's a lot of suck up reporters out there. There's a lot of suck up media. So it does blur the lines about what you're supposed to do and not supposed to do. Uh, you know, excuse me, Mr. Prime, Mr. Sanders, you know, could you be benevolent enough to answer my uh, pitiful question here? Please, sir, will you? How awesome are you? I mean, you know, there, there's that type of media, too. So don't, don't, don't sour the mood. Everybody's excited about the win. But don't blame people also for having doubts. We've never seen what's what. That's my thing. It's like I, I had CU as under three and a half wins. That does not. So they had to get to four to hit that. Have you changed that? Yeah, no. You guys stay no. there. Oh no, 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 no. Because because here's what oh, I don't want to do. Here, here, here's what I don't want to do. And I know I know this often happens in our business. You have an opinion, you have a take, and then you watch the 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 product through the lens of your opinion. I don't want to do that. Mm. I had CU at under three and a half right. me- wins, meaning three wins or less. My eyes tell me they're way better than that. So the last thing I want to do is be stubborn and mm. say, no, I said that they're under, so go and prove it again in Nebraska. My eyes tell me they're going to beat Nebraska. They're going to beat CSU. They're going to beat Arizona State on the road. They're going to beat Stanford, and there's your fourth win. That's what my eyes tell me. Might and be, I don't want to, again, just sit here and just, yeah, it could be. It could be. But yeah, you don't want to be Mike Evans. Dude, it, it took me two and a half series. It took me two and a half series. That initial stop, a 75-yard drive, and then the, the following uh, rest of the quarter, I was like, this is a real football team. And credit to those coaches because their, their biggest question marks, I thought, were in the trenches, and they freaking schemed it up. Look at how fast. I want to know how fast Shador Sanders got that ball out of his hands in that first quarter. Everything was snap out, snap, give it to athletes in space, and they freaking killed it, man. And now we have the Raiders as well. No, Sean, are you ready? This is going to be fun. Oh, yeah, baby. Hey, of course, is, I'm ready. Are you kidding me? This is going to be fun. How'd Georgia do over the weekend? Man, they looked uh, underwhelming. Who do they play again? Uh, UT Martin. Martin, UT yeah. Martin, yeah. So, yeah, I was Sisters expecting of the some blind more. <laughs> yeah, I was expecting some fireworks. It you was, know what I mean? It, it was 48 to 7, but it came kind of plotting. Right, exactly. This week they have Ball State. Ball I State, think, another I think, rehearsal game. I think they will cover whatever spread is thrown at them this week. Did you see week. My, my orange win by 65? Against well, so Col- Colgate, right? That's, that's what I'm saying. School. <laughs> you, look, you look around the league, you look around NCAA, I mean, guys, teams are scoring 70s, 80s, yeah, got, yes, got 60s. Yes. So I was expecting the same thing with Georgia. Like, come on now, where, where the 50s and 60s at? Yeah. And it's 17-0 at half. I'm like, oh, I watched I like Oklahoma that. put up 70, 73-0. Uh, Oregon, I think, scored in the yeah. 80s, like against, I think, Portland State or something. But, yeah, there was, uh, Georgia was not one of those teams. Well, we're, yeah. here, we're here to mix it up and have a blast on this gorgeous. Tuesday rivalry week enemy know your enemy this is the drive on the fan <laughs>